0: So, we are in 1 John, and we are talking about live like Jesus. That's what this series is all about, living like Jesus. He was the example for us when he walked the earth, amen? And what we're going to do, or what we have been doing, and we're going to do for a couple of more weeks, is we're looking at Jesus uh, through the eyes of John, not his cousin, all right? Not John the Baptist. John, the beloved. We're looking at we're looking at uh, Jesus the way that John saw Jesus when he walked the earth. Amen. And so this this Apostle John wrote the Gospel of John, first, second and third John, which we're in first John and also uh, the book of Revelation. And uh, we're just kind of looking at how he saw Jesus, how he saw uh, the son of God and the son of man actually live out his life on earth that we might follow in His footsteps and be like Him, and uh, out of all the things that Jesus did, uh, we're not leaving anything out. You know, Jesus walked and moved in power. His the first sign that He performed was turning water into wine at Capernaum, we talked about that, and uh, he did many things, he healed, he uh, cast out demons, he walked on water, he did all of those things, and then he had the audacity to say that you will do these things and greater things than these shall you do, and so um, I wonder what John thought when Jesus said this, here he is walking with him, and he actually sees, and he's a part of all of these miracles. What is he thinking when Jesus says, you'll do these things and greater things than these? Amen. I'm going to read a a passage, but I promise not to keep you too very long uh, this morning, but I'm going to read uh, quite a bit uh, from 1 John chapter 3 beginning at verse 10. So if you're there, I'm reading from the New King James version of the Bible. You might have the NIV or the GNT or the G-dub, or you might have the, you know, King James, whatever you have, we'll get to the same place together. Amen. It'll be okay. All right. It says this, verse 10, in this, the children of God, And the children of the devil are manifest. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is he who does not love his brother. For this is the message that you heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. Not as Cain, who was of the wicked one and murdered his brother. Why did he murder him? Because his works were evil and his brothers righteous. Do not marvel, my brethren, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. He who does not love his brother abides in death. Whoever hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. Verse 16. By this we know love because he laid down his life for us. And we ought, also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoever has this world's goods and sees his brothers in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And by this we know that we are of the truth and we shall and shall assure our hearts before him. Verse 20, for if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart. And knows all things. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence toward God. And whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. And this is his commandment, that we should believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ, first, and love one another as he gave us commandment. Now, he who keeps his commandments abides in him and he in him. And by this, we know that he abides in us by the spirit whom he has given us. Now, I know that's a long passage of scripture, but it is jam packed. Amen. With, uh, you know, wisdom and knowledge from God on how to live an overcoming life. Honestly, even though it doesn't say how to live an overcoming life in that passage. I think that in this passage, Jesus is very clear through the Apostle John how we should live our lives. He says that we should love one another. John, in his gospel in chapter 15, said this. He he, he quoted Jesus as saying, this is my commandment. This is my commandment that you love one another. But he didn't stop there. He said that you love one another as, as, as. I loved you. So we must first know, how did Jesus love us? I remember some years ago talking with my wife, and I didn't ask her if I could share this. I hope it's okay. I'll be in trouble later. Um, But I remember she was... um, praying with some friends of hers. And there was another girl there who I, I don't know if she knew her very well, but they were all praying together. And, um, you know, my wife, I, I don't like to say that one person prays better than another. You know, we, we pray to God and he, he hears our heart. So it's not that you, you know, have to achieve some level of being a great prayer. I, I understand that. Um, but she's a prayer warrior. You know, she, she, she absolutely, uh, has been praying for a long, long time. Amen. Um, and so she she's praying with this, this group of, of ladies, and um, after, I think they share their needs, and um, after they get done praying, what the, the young lady who was there says, you know what, I don't appreciate your prayer. I don't appreciate you and what you said about me and talking to God about me that way or whatever it is she said I can't remember all of the things because this was some years ago you know and it you know was very offensive you know and those kind of things and uh you know my wife um she was you know just a bit Torn up about it because it's like, well, I'm, you know, I, I'm trying to recount what I said, and I, I didn't, I didn't think that I said anything out of bounds. I just, you know, asked God to bless you. You shared what was going on in your life, so I assumed it was okay. God already knows it, so it's not like I'm telling him a secret about you, you know, that that kind of a thing. But yet she was uh, very offended, and so you know, we just had a conversation about that. And one of the things that I thought is. Some people are hard to love. Some people just make it hard to love. I remember a story Pastor Lou used to tell, and uh, I know he's shared it here. God rest his soul. He shared it here, and I've recounted it probably several times, but I remember him saying he was in New York one time at, um, I believe at uh, Cowdersport, and um, they, you know, they, there was a, a lady there who tells a story as, of a young person who just got saved. They got saved this Sunday, and she invited him over to her house, and uh, This lady had a cuckoo clock. Anybody remember cuckoo clocks? I don't know, you know, some of us are old enough to remember what a cuckoo clock is, but she had a cuckoo clock. And uh, as they're sitting there at dinner, the young person says, you know what? That is an idol, this cuckoo clock. You know, why do you have this cuckoo clock? in here now they're newly saved you know now some of you can remember when you were newly saved come on now you were you were fired up you know you 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 were you knew the theology you know you took the scripture seriously come on now and so you know any little thing it's like that's not right that's not right now that's not according to the bible that's not right and so this person was that way they were fired up and so you know, this woman, uh, you know, this older woman who had been saved and serving the Lord for quite a while, you know, was like, man, what what do I do? I mean, I can give this person scripture on how it's not an idol to me. I can, you know, we can have a Bible study. I can go through a lot of stuff. Uh, But you know what she did? She just took the cuckoo clock down. That's all she did it's just easier to take the cuckoo clock down. She didn't get offended, Uh, you know, she didn't tell the person, uh, look, you're newly saved, I don't know, you know, if you know what you're talking about, she just took the cuckoo clock down, she just took it down. You know, Jesus has given us some insight here, you know, we think sometimes, you know what, listen, I I can't help everybody. I remember listening to a pastor one time, pastor whom I loved to listen to. Uh, He's passed on now, but I I, I got so much from him. But one of the things that kind of used to rub me the wrong way is when, you know, he would say, look, I give you the information and, um, you know, I can't help what you do with it. And it was kind of his attitude toward it. It wasn't that he wasn't right you know, because as a pastor, as a preacher, as a counselor, as, you know, whatever, whoever you go to that gives you wisdom as a parent, you know, all they can do is give you the information and what you do with it is up to you. However, it was just his attitude. He was like, look, I'm here to do this assignment. I ain't got nothing to do with y'all. You know, you, you can take it or leave it doesn't matter. You know, and that was just kind of his, his, uh, you know, mentality. So when I die and go to heaven, I will do what I was asked to do. And what you guys do, it doesn't matter to me at all. You can live, die Whatever you want to do, you know? And so that attitude, if you get what I'm saying, it's not that he wasn't right about the information. He can't make anyone do anything, but that attitude just rubbed me the wrong way. And I don't think Jesus wants us to have that kind of an attitude when he says we must love one another because he says you must love one another the way that I love you. The way that I love you. And that's what caught me about this whole passage wasn't just that we should love one another. But love one another the way that Jesus loves us, the way that he loves us. And so when you think about that, we think, well, how, how does Jesus love us? So I want to give you, again, I'm not going to keep you long, but I want to give you seven things, seven ways, I think, um, that, that can help us to love people. Because we are, you know, listen we're imperfect people. I, last time I checked, I, I looked around and, um, I, you know, I, I want to say that some of you are perfect and you may feel like you are. Um, and there are times when I feel like I might be perfect, but we know we're imperfect people. All right. But we have a perfect love for imperfect people. A perfect love for imperfect people, right? And that word love here is that word that we're familiar with, agape. There's a lot of different types of, of love that are in the Greek language. We, we Some of us know these things, but loving like Jesus, as I said last week, it is impossible. It's impossible unless Jesus is actively loving through us and we become the pipeline. Come on. Unless we become the pipeline, the conduit, the vessel that pours out what God has poured in us. Unless we do it that way, it's impossible to love the way that he loved us. We can't do it. We cannot do it. Okay? In in verse 14, he says, we know that we have passed from death to life. Why? Because we love each other. That's how we know. How do you know? You know, you say, listen, uh, you know, being saved, it is by faith that we are saved through grace not of ourselves. It is of the gift of God. We just, it's through faith. There's not a outward change. You know, you don't, uh, you know, lose your hair or gain some more hair or, you know, change your outward look. I mean, how do we know that someone else is saved? And we really don't. It's up to God to judge. But if you want to judge yourself, John gives you a little insight here. How do we know? How do we know? We've passed from death to life because we love each other. And by the way, don't forget he's saying the way that Jesus loved us. It's not just about saying, well, yeah, I love everybody. You know, I love the church. I love you guys. I love my wife. I love my kids. I love this person. It's not just about that. But it's about how Jesus loved us. The message version there in verse 14 puts it this way. It says, the way we know we've been transferred from death to life is the love we have for our brothers and our sisters. Anyone who doesn't love is as good as dead. Anyone who doesn't love is as good as dead, passed from death to life. We are commanded to lay down our life for others. What does that mean? I just want to reemphasize this. Of course, Jesus went to the cross for us. That is something that we will not have to do. When you think of lay down your life for someone else, what do you think? I'm thinking, well, maybe I need to, you know, push my wife out of the way if a bus is coming. And, you know, or if somebody's coming to shoot up the school, you know, I jump in front of the kids or, you know, whatever it is. And that is certainly one way of laying down your life. But Jesus laid down his life every day. Every day before the cross, because listen, people were always asking him to pray, to heal someone, give me some more insight. And so, you know, maybe he wanted to watch the game. I don't know what Jesus wanted to do, but he couldn't do it because he had to lay down his life. That means laying down your wants and your needs at times for other people. And he's commanded us, he's commanded us. He's not asking. He commanded us to lay down our life. This is how we know what love is, one version says. Christ gave his life for us. We too then ought to give our life for others. This is the greatest act of love. The cross is the greatest act of love. We know that Christ laid down his life. But the greatest act of love is to be able to sacrifice, to put your wants and needs aside for the wants and needs Of others at times this command is for us believers to follow Christ's example this doesn't mean that uh, we die for other people's sins that already been taken care of because we can't atone other sins but this shows the extent of the sacrifice that love may demand of us and I got to tell you something with everything that's going on in the world and everything that's going on in our country and everything that's going on in our city right now, that song that I have grew up with, it could not be more true. If ever we needed the Lord before, we sure do need him now. We sure do need him now. And as it comes to love, while I'm on the subject of songs, there's, a, there's an old song. You guys may not know it, but uh, my brother Derek knows it. And uh, uh, it, there's a song by a group that I used to listen to. It was called Commission. Fred Hammond came out of this group. And they used to sing a song called, Love isn't love until you've given it away. Isn't that beautiful? Love, I mean, if you're holding on to it, then is it really love? Love isn't love until you've given it away. John quickly condemns those who say they are ready to die for a brother in an emergency, yet refuse to show practical love in routine life. Many of us want to say, well, I give up. I, I, would, I would sacrifice. I would jump in front of that bus. would, I would go to jail. I would march. I would do all of these things. But what about every day when someone needs some money or they need a ride or they need you to listen? I'm looking in the mirror. They, they call you on the phone and they need you to listen to them without judging them. What about that? What about everyday practicality? This is what Jesus is calling us to. And it's what John condemns us for. My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. So this is the challenge. This is the challenge. How do we do that? Seven quick things. Number one, we must honor one another. We must take time to acknowledge and honor one another. When, when someone else has a success, we ought to have a success with them. We, we, ought, to, we ought to honor. It's, honor means, honor doesn't just mean, hey, that was great what you did. Thanks for playing guitar, bro. That was that was great. You played those couple licks, good. That, that's, that's not honor. That's, that's acknowledgement. Honor is an unusual respect, a high regard, and a value. There's a value to you that I'm placing on you. Honoring another person means that you place a high value on them and you show it to them by paying attention when they speak, being concerned from your heart about their needs and treating them as precious. That's how you honor somebody. The best way for me to honor my wife is to pay attention. I know, honey, I know. Pay attention when you speak, right, Brother Al? This to the radio program. This man has some great insight about that. To honor is simply consideration. <laughs> you have to consider. You have to consider the other person. Romans 12, 10, be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love in honor, giving preference to one another, giving preference to one another. Now, again, remember what I'm talking about. You might say, now, listen, Brother Mike, you're going a little far with all this. I understand love, but you know, you just go a little overboard with what you're talking about. Don't forget, I said, this is impossible to do unless we allow God to let his love flow through us. See, if we're not connected this way, we'll never be connected properly this way. This has to be first. This has to be first, then this. Secondly, we must encourage one another. We just said honor. Was that different than encouragement? Encouragement carries the idea of one person joining to another person on their journey, speaking words that persuade that particular person or that traveler, if you will, to keep pressing forward, telling them, don't give up. You can do this. You're not alone. You know, I heard in the, in, the, in the right now media video, Dave Ramsey said, you know, if you've messed up money, guess what? That makes you, you know, over 12 years old, right? That, that's one way we can encourage each other. Listen, uh, I've messed up. You have not done anything that someone else hasn't done. Let me encourage you to get up and keep going. You can do this. That's our job to make sure a, a brother or a sister gets back up and keeps going. And and that way their success is our success. See, we can't, that's why I said I don't like that attitude. We can't just be worried about ourselves. I understand, you can't make people do anything. I get it. I know that there is a balance there. I understand that. But our heart has to be that, listen, I want to see you succeed. I want to see you overcome. That's my encouragement. And guess what? Encouragement takes time. Encouragement takes time. You must first be encouraged in God yourself, okay? We can't be self-centered with encouragement. Can't be self-centered. A man, Don Basham, once said, as our approval bucket is filled, our entire personality flourishes. But if that bucket remains empty, the personality withers and suffers deprivation. Hebrews 13, chapter 3, verse 13 says, exhort one another daily while it is called today. Don't wait until tomorrow, mirror. Don't wait till tomorrow. If somebody is on your mind, call them up. Call them, tell them, encourage them. Come on. Number three, we should share with one another. Share to share. And I know all of these are connected. They're very tightly connected. But to share is to willingly and liberally give what you have. And share it with others. It is the posture or the feeling of being inclined to impart what you have with someone else. So I'm talking about my brother, and we played music together. we played music together for a long time since we were teenagers. You know, one of the things I I used to not like in church, I grew up in church and uh, played keyboard and piano and different things like that in church. One of the things that I used to notice is that musicians are so, they're such funny creatures, aren't they, Forrest? Forrest knows what I'm talking about. (laughs) He's not. He's absolutely an encourager, but um, he, he knows what I'm talking about. My wife, Derek, they know what I'm talking about. Musicians can be such funny Creatures, and even in the church, you know, because we'd, we'd be in the church and we'd be playing a song, and I'd hear some chord, you know, Michael. I, oh man, that chord, that's kind of nice. What is that you played in it? Oh, oh, don't worry about it, it's just something I, I picked up. It's like they didn't want to share with you, as if, you know what I mean, Carla, you know what I mean, as if, you know, I'm going to steal your personal chord that you played. And, I, and that's what I've, and you may not have found that, but that's. One of the funny things I found is like time and time again, people didn't want to share their knowledge. As if, if I shared with you, Carrie, my knowledge, you might get better than me and then I won't have a job on the, or it really, it wasn't so much that I wouldn't have a job is that people would look at me as the, the same. That's what it was. I like what everybody says, man, you are so sweet on the keyboards or you're, you're, you play guitar so sweet. And I like that so much that I don't want somebody else coming being sweeter than me. Okay. <laughs> And so, uh, you know, we don't want that. I just found that in music, and I'm sure you guys have seen that in everyday life, maybe on your job, in school, you know, all these kind of things people don't want to share. Listen, as Christians, not only do we need to share, but we've been commanded to share. We've been commanded to share with one another. Come on. First Timothy 6.18 says, they are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous. All right, and ready to share. Remember that phrase last week we used? crazy generous be crazy generous number four serve one another serve one another a servant's heart is filled with the grace of Christ that's being shaped and transformed into feeling what Christ feels and thinking like Christ thinks one who puts other people's needs and aspirations and interests at times above theirs this is all about thinking of someone else more highly than yourself that's why I was so thankful yesterday when we was on the, on the golf outing. Brother Clint, you know, he was, he was so gracious. I mean, you know, this man could be on a PGA Tour, you know, and Derek and I were on his team, you know, we was hitting the ball somewhere over there. And I think one time I hit the ball and it went backwards. I don't know how I did that, but no, no, I didn't. But, you know, but he, but he was gracious, you know. As good as he is, he was gracious. And he said, yeah, well, you know, it happens to the best of us. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, brother, for saying that. So so good of you. Martin Luther King Jr. once said, everyone, everyone could be great because anybody can serve. Some of you remember that quote, right? You might not have been there when he said it. Al, maybe you were, but some of us were. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> I can say that with Father Al because he... Uh, he talks about me too, but no, he doesn't. He doesn't. Martin Luther King Jr. said, "You don't have to have a college degree to serve. You don't have to make your subject and verb agree to serve. You only need a heart full of grace and a soul generated by love." Something I appreciate him saying because if there was anyone who could make their subject and verb agree, if you ever listen to some old Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, you know speeches. Oh my goodness. I mean, don't compare yourself to him. That, that man, I mean, even if you didn't care for what he was saying, you listened to what he was saying because he made his subject and verb agree, you know? And, uh, but he said, listen, you don't have to do that to serve. You only need a heart full of grace and a soul generated by love. Number five, affirm one another's gifts and strength. 1 Corinthians 12 25 says that there should be no schism. It means separation, little clicks, right? in the body but that the members should have the same care for one another the same care for one another to affirm is to validate and confirm something by making a declaration by the way let me just tell you something and i, I think i shared this as well but uh, one time i was out in Portland, at a pastor's conference, and we were talking to a new pastor. This guy was young; uh, he was in, actually in his late twenties. He was that young to be a pastor, and uh, but he had been a youth pastor, and he was uh, a pastor. Son, who the pastor, uh, whose his father had been pastoring forty years, so it's not like he wasn't around it. He didn't know what he was doing, but he, you know, they planted a church out there uh, in downtown Portland, and in three months, now you know, church is not just about numbers. We know that, but in three months, they had four hundred people. Okay, three months, and here's the thing about it: ninety percent of them were twenty-five and under. Twenty-five and under. And so one of the things us pastors who went to this pastor's conference, actually it wasn't a conference. We just got together with uh, Frank DiMaggio uh, at his house, some of us, and he's like a mentor. And we said, hey, bring your son, Andrew, to just talk about the next generation. You know, maybe there's some things that we're missing that God can share to us through Him, you know, uh, and not that we can be Him or that you know that's what His calling is, but we just want to make sure we don't leave the next generation behind. And so He came and He He shared with us, and He you know He gave us you know seven things about millennials and um, you know kind of what would reach them. And one of the things that stuck with me was validate their concerns. Now you might say, why does that stick with you so much? And, and the reason why it stuck with me because He was saying, I'm not telling you to agree with. Everybody every concern they have. There may be some things that you don't agree with. There may be something, you know, when you were young, come on, you had some, I know I did. I can't speak for you. I had some crazy ideas that I look back now and go, oh, that wasn't the best idea, you know, but then it seemed like a great idea, right? And so, you know, young people, they have great ideas and some of their ideas are not so great, okay? But validate their concern means that acknowledge that there is a concern acknowledge that they do feel that way and that we can discuss this don't in other words don't just say "Ah, that you just young and you know you wait wait till you get wait till you get 30 then you'll see don't don't even come don't talk to me until you turn 30 because all the stuff you're talking about doesn't make any sense at all that's the opposite of validating their concern now it's not i don't say yeah what you're saying is right we'll just change the whole church around you know to what you're saying that's not what we're saying either but we must validate each other's concern. The fact that we have a concern, we have to validate it and then allow God to work through us that the truth might come through. If our hearts are right. Now, if our hearts are in the wrong place, that's different. That's something different. If our heart is not after God, totally different, okay? We know that because Jesus threw, uh, you know, he threw the money changers out of the temple. He was very harsh with the Pharisees and Sadducees. He was harsh with the religious people. But I tell you what, sinners... He validated their concern. Sinners, he validated them. Right? He, who, who, where are your accusers? And I did it. I did it. But Jesus is saying, where are your accusers? I have none, Lord. Then neither do I. The God of the universe, the one who breathed and stars came out, the one who spoke and water stopped, the one who stopped time, the one who created everything, I don't accuse you either. Wow wow talk about valid now go and sin no more see he didn't just say you can get away with it he go and sin no more but i'm not going to condemn you for it validate each other's concerns guys bear one another's burdens number six bearing means picking up with your hands putting it on your back and carrying it this is where james talks about this too james talks about it too right show me your faith i'll show you my faith by my works I'll come help do it. I'm not just going to say, oh, you're cold. Go, be filled, be warm. Let God go with you and the warmth of God come down on you. No, give them a coat. Take them to the store, buy a coat, buy something to eat. Come on. And lastly, forgive one another. This is big. It's something that we know. You could have said it. I could have said it, but we know it. To forgive is is to generously, generously offer pardon and release. That's the word that you need to think of when you think of forgive. Because a lot of times we don't think of that. We say, well, I forgive you, but we really didn't because there's no release. With forgiveness, there has to be a release. There must be a release from a feeling of guilt and shame and debt to you. A forgiving spirit has accepted the forgiveness of God for their sins. That's the first thing that we need to do. In order to forgive, the first thing we need to understand is that we were forgiven. While you were yet sinners, Christ died for you. While you were in your sin, not even thinking about the fact that you needed a Savior, he died for you. That's how Jesus loves you. Now, do we love each other in that same way? And so if you don't take anything else, From this morning's message. Understand that we are imperfect people. We are imperfect people. We've got to be able to accept disappointment. Okay. What I'm saying by that is not everyone will return your love. When you give it out. Don't do it for that. Love knowing that you will be blessed by God. Knowing that God loves you. I speak in faith. I believe in the name of Jesus. And I love you with an agape love. Knowing that God loves me. And if you love me back, great. Great. We have to be able to adjust our perspective. To put it in my very best college town English, it ain't about you. This whole thing ain't about you. Love motivates people to sacrifice for others. And be alert to opportunities. God will provide divine appointments. We know we touch like a cliche in church, almost divine appointments. But God does provide divine appointments. Admit to the fact that you are loved by God. So know that we are imperfect people in love with a perfect God. And he's able to help us love other imperfect people. As imperfect people, we love each other with God's perfect love.